Whoa, morning, church. I had a limp up the stage here. I hurt myself last night. I was playing with my dog <laughs> last night. We play this game called Chase. He chases me through the house. I chase him through the house. Well, I start chasing down the hall, and I pulled something in the back. <laughs> I almost went down on the floor, so now I can, I can hardly walk and hardly stand. So I thought it was perfect message title, How to Live a Victorious Life. So, so you know what I really want to do today? I want to share with you just a couple of key areas in, in our lives and how, to really, how, do we, how do we live a victorious life in spite of, oh my gosh, everything going on around us. I mean, we've all been living in a world that is so full of anxiety, so full of uncertainty as it relates to the whole COVID deal, right? I mean, it's not just in this country, it's global information. It changes all the time. You know, we have a country that's just struggling with who and what the heck to believe, you know? I mean, you listen to the news, you listen to that, go, I don't know what to believe anymore. And on top of all that, we have all these forces that are at work attacking our culture, you know, telling, attacking our way of life, saying that our way of life and the way we like to live life needs to change. We need to cancel culture. We have governments around the world. I mean, they're teetering on chaos, right? Where do we look? Who do we look to? What's the truth? I don't know about you. I don't want to continue to live like this. I want to have a joyful, I want to have a fulfilling, and I want to have peace in my life. Well, I'm here to share how we can all have live victorious lives no matter what's going on around us. No matter the situations that you're finding, that you're dealing with right now in your life, okay, that's stopping you from living a fulfilling and joyful life, I want to tell you that we can, all of us can live a victorious life because of what Jesus has done. You know, the Apostle Paul tells us this. And if you have your Bible, you can certainly follow along. If not, it'll be up on the screen. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. He said, you know, these weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know, Paul's saying these, these strongholds, these uncertainties, these anxieties in our life, they shouldn't have any place in control in us anymore. I mean, we're, we're in a war. Well, a, a confrontation, and, and, and maybe that sounds kind of scary, right, at first. What do you mean, Paul, we're in a war? Or, you know, I mean, what are you talking about? Well, you know, the apostle Paul is trying to tell us, look, he's saying, look, don't be ignorant here, okay? Because the war I'm talking about, it isn't against people. It isn't really against this flesh and blood, okay? It's about strongholds. And you go, well, strongholds, so what's a stronghold is a, a particular belief, or an ideology that's just, man, it's firmly believed and you strongly defend it, okay, no matter what. Or it's a place where a group has certain views on a certain topics and attitudes and they're just concentrated in this one area. And this is what we believe. And no matter what you say, we're not going to change. You know, a stronghold, and I'm sorry, my allergies are just kicking up this morning. A stronghold, whether right or wrong, it's deeply rooted within each and every one of us. How do I protect or how do I fight for my belief or my ideology? How do you know 
I had to ask myself this question about my own ideology. Uh, how do you know you're right? How do you really get to the truth? You know, God has given us these spiritual insight, these spiritual weapons for a reason. Let me just read a little bit, and we're going to look at Ephesians here. I know many have heard this before. I'm going to look at a little, I'm going to take a look at a couple different pieces here. Ephesians 6 says, My brethren, just be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, of the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. So therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in, in the evil day, and having all done, still be able to stand. So I, I, I just want to walk, well, how do we stand strong in the Lord? How do we stand strong in his might? I mean, how is this actually going to help us navigate these words, these the, the scriptures that we have? Or how does it help us to really navigate this whole COVID situation? You know, we're struggling. People struggle. Do I take the vaccine? Don't I take the vaccine? Do I send my kids to school? I don't send my kids to school. Do I wear a mask? I don't wear a mask. I mean, which one is it, right? Well, today we're going to look at a couple of the pieces of this armor. This armor of God, I believe, will help us navigate these questions. And others. I mean, what's the truth? What's God saying I should be actually really doing? Not my own strongholds. What's God saying, Paul, I know what you got rooted in you, but no, 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 no. This is what I need you to do. How do I respond to those, to those opposing views, right? We all have them. And like I said, how do I respond to myself? Well, I love Ephesians 6, 14, where it says, stand firm then, the belt of truth buckled around your waist. You see, a belt. I thought, a belt? How is that a part, God? I mean, how is that going to help us at all? What do you mean spiritual armor? I mean, obviously, you all know what a belt is, okay? But picture it on a soldier, all right? The belt was about six to eight inches thick, right? And it's made of leather. And you see it has a buckle, I mean, just like our belts, and it has a sheath or a dagger, and he's got these metal straps and these discs that hang down and in front of it. And I don't know about you, but when I think of armor, I think of the helmet, you know, that breastplate and, and the sword, and I really don't think about the belt because how important is the belt? But the Apostle Paul, he puts it the very first piece it's the very first thing. It's right at the top of the list. This means it's got to be one of the most important pieces, this belt of truth. You know, on a Roman soldier, that belt held everything in place. I mean, when you look at that picture, it held everything in place. It, you know, they got these big baggy tunics that they wear underneath, you know, underneath their armor. Well, the belt, they kind of pulled it up, you know, and the belt would cinch and so they didn't trip over it. It also holds that breastplate that they got on, okay, and keeps it from banging around on their chest, okay, when they're in a battle. Then it's got a little place, a sheath, so they could put their sword, they could put their dagger. So if a soldier, think about it, so if a soldier, he gets rid of his belt, <laughs> his breastplate would be banging all over, he'd be tripping over his tunic, right? His sword had no place to go, it would drop on the ground, right? But because he would be much good at all, but of all these things, the belt was one of the most important pieces of the soldier's armor. You can see why it holds everything together. I am quite sure 
And I got Mike here today, a former police officer. I said, I'm sure that, that if you ask almost any police officer today, what's the most important piece of their uniform? I bet you most of them are going to say their belt. Well, it carries their gun, carries their extra bullets, their handcuffs, their radio, flashlight, pepper spray. They even got that little holder to put their donut in. I mean, it's got everything on that belt, everything. You see, for soldiers and policemen, the belt, right? It's important. Belts are important for all of us, too. See, Paul's saying it's the belt of truth. The first and vital piece of armor for any Christian is spirit and the whole spiritual warfare and the world that we're around and things we're dealing with is the truth. Don't miss this. To stand strong, we must know the truth and we have to live by the truth. Not when, we, not when it doesn't suit us. We need to live by it. Only in this way, do you understand that the rest of our armor stays on, okay? Only in this way are you protected when you go out into battle. Look at, without truth, look at, we are easily tripped up and we're easily misled by Satan or by the lies of the world. We're just led the wrong way. Well, I, I don't necessarily believe that. Well, it doesn't matter what you believe. What does God say about it? See, don't miss this. Lies, no matter how big, no matter how small, are the things that destroy lives and relationships and futures. All you have to do is follow any one of those news feeds that you follow, okay? And you'll see lies, lives destroyed by lies, no matter how big they are, no matter how small. I mean, just think about Satan. Look what he used in the Garden of Eden. He does that one small little lie. Did he say you really couldn't eat of that apple? and destroy the future of all mankind. How do we do this? <laughs> How do we put that belt of truth on? See, we first need to understand the belt. This is really important. It's not our belt. It's God's belt. You know, I should have made this a don't miss it, so I'm going to say it again. The belt's not our belt. It's God's belt. The truth that we are to surround ourselves with is God's truth. What is God's truth? <laughs> Obviously, it's his word, right? It's his word that we find in here, that we find in the Bible. We're told in Psalms 119 that God's word is truth. Jesus said the uh, same exact thing in John 17, 17. He goes, in praying to God, he said, your word is truth. Colossians 1.15, Paul calls the Bible, specifically the gospel message, the word of truth. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. What is the truth? I mean, Jesus warned us here, friends. He warned us in John 8, 44. He's talking about Satan. He said, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he just speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar. He's a father of lies. Friends, it boils down to this. If we want to put on that first piece of spiritual armor, we need to surround ourselves. We need to dive in. We really got to dig into the Bible. I mean, don't miss this. I got a bunch of these today, but I don't want you to miss this. We put on the belt of truth by putting on the word of God. 
this is done. How do you do it all, Pastor Paul? How do I respond? We're going to do all this. You do it by reading it, listening to sermons, listening to teachers, attending church, life groups, memorizing passages, okay? Understanding what it says. It's really important. What does it really teach? Do you remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness? Remember, he was out there for 40 days. Do you remember what he used to defend himself? I mean, Satan came and told him, hey, look, and I know you're hungry, so why don't you make some bread out of that stone over there? Then he told him, hey, why don't you just throw yourself off the tip of the pinnacle here of the temple and, and told him, don't worry, you know, I, I see everything you see here, I'm going to give this all to you. And he went on and on. And what did Jesus say to him? Hmm. Those are really good offers. Did Jesus him haw around and go, hmm, I wonder if that's God's will. Maybe I'll pray about it. No. What did he do? He used scripture. Three times, three temptations, he quoted them right out of Deuteronomy. He just fired back at him. Putting on the belt is putting on the word of God. It's wrapping it around you, cinching it up tight, getting it close, tying things down in your life that are getting a little out of control. And, you know, it's so easy to get flustered today and upset with comments that you hear people saying. It's easy to get frustrated. Put the, come on, come on, just put the truth back on. Come on, fasten yourself down. Put things in it. Come on, get control. Don't let me start letting things flap around here. When we put on the belt of truth, the answers to many of life's problems, can I tell you, that can be found. Do you want to improve your marriage? Go to the Bible. You want to be a better parent? Go to the Bible. <laughs> okay? Do you want to know how to control your anxiety and fear? Yeah, I know. You know. Go to the Bible. What are you struggling with right now? How are you dealing with this temptation, the deceptions? All the uncertainties. How are you dealing with it? Here's the only answer. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. No matter what's going on around you, hang on to the truth. And another piece of spiritual armor that I would like us to look at is the sword. We're going to be looking at three main points of the sword. First, what the sword was and the way it was used by Roman soldiers. The second one is what the sword is and the way it could be used in spiritual warfare. And then thirdly, how we can take up the sword and use it just in our own lives, dealing with everything we're all dealing with. Friends, it all boils down to spiritual. They were, you know, that sword that guy's holding over there, that was typically made of iron. And they were double-edged. So you could cut both ways. They also had a big metal knob on the end. You can almost see it there in that picture. It was right at the base of the hilt. This not only gave the soldier a better grip, but see if he could slide, or he could use it and just smash somebody in the head with it or smash somebody in the face with it. I think sometimes when we think of a sword, we kind of picture those big three, four foot ones, you know, and they're whoosh, whoosh, you know, swinging this big thing around. That thing's really only about 18 inches, 24 inches long. It was light, so it could be maneuvered quickly and with ease. It also only took one hand to use it. It wasn't like having a great big sword. You got to have the two hands kind of flapping around. No, 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 no. This way it allowed the soldier to carry a shield. See? 
protecting, swiping, fighting, and training with this with the sword, he was taught to stab. This is really important here to follow what God's trying to put through here. It was shorter because he got it because he could stab, not slice. You see, the reason that you don't want to cut somebody in a battle, even delivered with a lot of force, frequently it doesn't kill. It only wounds. Because, you know, they got other protective armor on. It's really hard to get a severe, you know, blow to that person. But a stab nearly always penetrates into the body, somewhere in between the armor and the probability of hitting a vital organ. Man, it's a whole lot better. You just jab it. As such, a sword is a vital piece of the soldier's army, of his army, armor. Even if he had none of the other pieces... If you had the sword, you still had some hope if you were caught in a battle because it's both defensive and it's also offensive. Although you could defend yourself adequately with your shield, you know, and he's got his breastplate and all that kind of stuff, without the sword, there's no hope of ever wounding or ever eliminating your foe. There's just no way to do it. So the sword, vital piece of armor because it's both defensive and offensive. With all this in mind, let's turn to why I went down this whole thing for the sword for the Christian. Isaiah 27.1 speaks of God destroying his enemy with a sword. And then in the New Testament, the book of Revelations, we read that out of the mouth of Christ comes a double-edged sword. Revelation 1.16, he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Revelation 2.12. These things say, says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. Revelation 2.16. Repent or else I will come to you quickly and we will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Revelation 19.15. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So what is the story that comes from God? It comes out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. Look at, don't miss this, the sword is a spiritual sword, right? It's not a physical sword like that picture of our Roman guy over there. No, no. It comes from the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's the Word of God that is used. Now, friends, you don't have, you don't have the sword simply by saying, well, you know, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Well, you, see, you don't have the, the sword by just saying, well, I got my Bible, so here it is. I got everything I need. Listen to what Harry Ironside said. He said, the Bible's not the sword of the Spirit, it's the armory. There are thousands of swords in here. Every one of them is powerful. Every one of them is too much. Are you grasping what he's saying? All right, when we say about swinging the sword and it's the word of the Lord, he's talking, no, no. Yeah, but it's the armory. There's, there's swords in here for every, every occasion, every single adversity that you come against. There's a sword in here for all of it. If Paul meant that the sword of the Spirit was the Bible, he would have used the word logos. But he didn't. He used the word rehem, reme, 
which shows us that the sword of the Spirit has individual verses and phrases and passages so we can wield them quickly when you're in a battle, which we can just thrust and stab it with force in a weak spot of that enemy that's coming against us when you're being flustered by the world around you. Be able to take the word of the Lord and just thrust it into whatever that is that's coming at you. Do you see the power that there is in the word of God? You, you know, just all the, all the pieces of armor that are inside, all the weaponry that we have inside that word. When you've got issues with the grandkids or you've got this stuff going on, you can go with a battle. You can fight with the word of God in their situation. Every time you learn something new about a verse, you sharpen the blades of that sword. It gets good sharper. Every time you learn a new way of applying a verse, you become quicker. You become more deadly in using it. Friends, we need to know the word of God backwards, forwards. We need to be able to know roughly what's in each one of these books. We need to know what's in here. We need to kind of at least know what it's about. We need to know key verses, key chapters. We need to know key verses, key chapters to help confront. Look, if there's ever a time in our world where we need to be comforted and encouraged and stuff, we need to know where to find those words. We need to know where to put those truths. We need to know how to battle when, when the news media and all your news feeds and all these things you're watching and culture coming against different things, you don't know which way to go. Let me ask you this. A coworker, or maybe someone after you get done golfing or playing pickleball, they're going through some troubling times, and they walk right up to you. They walk right up to you, and they said, you're a Christian, right? What must I do to get to heaven? What would you tell them? Well, I'm asking you, what would you tell them? What verse would you show them? Do you know? I mean, all of us know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. How about John 5, 24? Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. How about John 6, 47? Truly, I say to you, the one who believes has eternal life. But do you know them? Could you find them? Do you know them? What if you're talking to your neighbor this afternoon? You get out of church, you're going home. It's kind of, you know, it's not 135 yet. And so you decide to go for a little short walk. And you're running one of your neighbors. And, hey, and they say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good person, you know. I haven't done too many bad things in my life, so I know God's going to let me into heaven. What would you say? How would you, what, what would you think of? Can you think of any verses at all? I'm a good person. I'm just going to throw one. What about James 2? For the person who keeps all of the law except one, they're just as guilty as the person who's broken all of them. You see, there is no perfect person. Everybody makes mistakes. You just can't keep one or two of them and think everything's okay. Where do you go? What do you believe when you, when you personally falter? When you sin, and you hear that voice in your head, you know the voice I'm talking about going, you can't be saved. <laughs> you just keep doing this over and over again, okay? You know, oh man, you just can't be, you, you've got to know, God doesn't love you anymore. Do you remember what verses you could go to? 
Can you see the advantage of stabbing against the lie that's coming against you? Hey, this is my, one of my favorites, Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, there is none. Be called, you know, so you've got to pray that on yourself. How about John 10.27? Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They'll follow me. I'll give them eternal life, and they will not perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Wow, isn't that comforting? No, it don't matter what you... Get it? Do you know the Bible well enough so that you're ready for any challenge that comes your way? Are you prepared to answer the questions why you did or did not get the vaccine? Do you know how to answer it? Do you know what it says in Scripture? Not what you personally believe, do you? Not from your point of view, but from the Bible. Could you quote it? Are you prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have in, in Jesus Christ? What do you have this hope in him for? Then remember what Peter, 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that's in you. But here's a real key part. A lot of times we forget this last part. With gentleness and respect. With gentleness and respect. Let me give you some encouragement. Remember that this sword, this rhema of God is the Spirit's sword. What does that mean, Paul, in light of everything you've just been rattling off here? <laughs> well, in John 16, verse 13 through 15, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit will help us to remember the things that we have heard, things that we have read. It says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you and me. He'll guide you into all truth. For he's not going to speak of his own. But whatever his, he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take from mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. This is why I said he takes from mine, and he will disclose it to you. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we learn that the Holy Spirit enlightens our minds. That's how we remember this. It says 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. This means that when you study and learn various books and passages and all these different verses and stuff in the Bible, the Holy Spirit, which I'm sure many of you have already experienced, but he'll help you understand and he'll begin to help you retain what you study. He'll help you be able to recall it when you so desperately need it, when you're sitting across the table from one of your kids or struggling in a marriage situation, or you're at the bed of a spouse or a close friend who's dying or struggling terribly. He'll remind you the words will come, the truth will come, and he will be able to speak into their lives. Friends, the word of God is powerful. It's effective. It can do so many things for us. And maybe you're asking, okay, Paul, well, what sorts of things can it do for us? How am I really supposed to use it? Well, here's the big one, friends. It destroys Satan's arguments. It destroys the arguments of the culture around us, telling you, hey, it's okay to kill a baby. Hey, it's okay to do this. It, it, it destroys the arguments. Just because they use Satan's name, use the world's name. 
Maybe you're asking, you know, I mean, how do I do that? The best illustration, I think, is when Jesus uses the word of God against Satan. I didn't, I didn't read the whole thing to you, but I, but, I, but I want to read this. This is when he's in the wilderness. So then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He just stabbed him. End of that conversation. Then the devil took him along into the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you. And on their hands, they will lift you up so that you do not even strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil takes him along to a very high mountain. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he says, see all this, all these things? I'm going to give them to you. If you'll just fall down and you worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go away, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship only the Lord your God, and you shall serve him only. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to serve him. Do you see the power of using God's word? He didn't have to give some Satan some speech. or No, he just gave him some word of God. He just jabbed him. Satan came to Jesus to try to get him to sin, just to go his own way. Come on, Jesus. I mean, why bother going through all this stuff? I'll give you all this kind of stuff. It's easy with the lies of the world, what they tell us, friends. It's easy to go the ways you hear the stuff. Oh, come on, it's really that bad. No one's really going to know you did that. Uh, it's okay. What are the odds are going to catch that on your tax return? You know, it's like, <laughs> don't worry, you know. That's how, but they are. They're, they're, these are the lies. I mean, I hope you're, this is the stuff. Ah, they gave you too much change. Well, of course, they don't give you too much change anymore. Nobody uses money at a grocery store anymore. Everything's credit card. But how do you react? Jesus used rhema, a quick, powerful thrust of a particular verse to fight off attacks. And we can all do the same thing. In fact, Paul... Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, he goes, remember this, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty. And God, for pulling down all those things around your life, casting down these arguments, the foolish arguments, and every high thing, everything you think is so much better and knows so much more against the knowledge of God. The word of God helps us tear down enemy strongholds, false and deceptive teachings. So you need to know the word of God in order to defeat these things that come at you. The Spirit uses the Word of God to convict sinners and convince them of their need for Jesus Christ. You probably all know John 16, 7, and when he comes, it's the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Word of God also trains us, helps train and corrects us and changes us as Christians. That's another really powerful thing the Word of God does. You know what it's like? It's like a scalpel, carefully cutting away the scars left behind by our old life. You know, the Word of God just kind of, let's get rid of that for you. Let's get rid of that one too. 
It's a knife that cuts the ties of sin that trip us up and drag us down. The word of God does more things and more stuff for Christians if we know how to use it. No matter what we do in life, we need to make sure that our sword, make sure it's always nearby. And where does it need to be nearby? Right up in here. So in closing today, friends, 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 remember, it's the belt of truth. To stand strong, we must know the truth and to live by it. Only in this way will the rest of our armor stay on. Only this way will we be protected and be, and be able to navigate. Oh my gosh, this world's so ever-changing. So much going on. This is because, you know, the belt of truth, remember, it keeps that breastplate right in place. You're not getting tripped up by stuff by your tunic. Falking, walking around, you're, you're getting led a different way, and then, wait, 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 wait. I got to put the truth back on. I got to cinch that back up around me. And listen, and the only way to take up the sword is to immerse yourself in the Word of God. I, I like to tell you there's shortcuts. Maybe some fast tracks you could take. But the reality is there isn't. The only way to take up the sword, to take up the armory, okay, <laughs> is to spend as much time as you possibly can. I'm going to tell you, it beats CNN and Fox News. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you'll feel better about life and about things and what to do and how to pray through and pray for leaders and situations. You'll know how. It'll bring you a different way. Look, if, just finally, we can all live victorious lives in spite of all that's going on around us. With all its anxiety, with all its uncertainties, everything that's relating with the whole COVID nightmare, the struggling culture, country, globe, the whole thing. No matter what a situation, now let's get personal, no matter whatever situation that's in your life that you're struggling with, I'm telling you, you can live a fruitful life. You can live a fulfilling life. You can have joy in the midst of some of the most ugliest things that, bottom line, happen to all of us because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross and has afforded to each and every one of us. So, Father, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for the rhema, for your word. You've given everything anyone who calls upon your name needs to live a fruitful, fulfilling, peaceful, powerful life. Father, may your Holy Spirit just move mightily among all those who are sitting here today, listening on the internet, weeks from now, whatever, going, I need that rhema, man. I, I need more of that. I need that sword. And I got to cinch up that belt of truth around my waist. Father, give them the strength. Lead them to the right people. Lead them to the right scriptures to help guide and direct and bring them that peace that goes beyond all understanding. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Go out there and live a victorious life. Amen? Amen. amen.